If you have your Bible this morning, I ask you to turn with me to Philippians 4. We're going to begin at verse 12, and we're going to do a couple verses and then skip down to verse 19. The title of the message is Be Content, and I hope that uh, as we study the text today that it will be helpful to each one of us. Let's look together at God's Word. Verse 12, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of contentment in every situation, whether it be a full stomach or hunger, plenty or waste. For I can do everything God asked me to do with the help of Christ, who gives me the strength and power. Now look down to verse 19. And it is he who will supply all your needs from his riches and glory because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Are you familiar with the old story of the slightly inebriated man that was out looking for something? He was down on his hands and knees on the sidewalk. There was a street light that was on above to shed a little light in that area. As he was looking all around, one of his friends came by. And the friend said, Sam, what are you doing out there on your hands and knees. And he said, well, I lost my house key. I'm looking for my house key. And so the friend got down on his hands and knees, and he started looking along uh, with his buddy. Well, they looked for a while, and finally the friend said, so you think you lost it right, right in this area right here? And Sam said, oh, no, no, I, I lost it over there in the grass, way over there. And the man said, well, why in the world are we looking over here? And he said, well, this is where the light is. <laughs> I have a feeling that a lot of people come to Bible study and come to church because somewhere, somehow, they have lost something. Some people are not sure what they lost or where they lost it, but they are sure of where the light is. They know where that is. The light is in the Bible study and in the worship with fellow believers. I believe that the church is where the truth is, the light is, and even contentment can be found. You've noticed, haven't you? How often the scriptures speak to our greatest needs, our deepest concerns, and our most painful dilemmas. Paul says to the church in Philippi in verse 12, I have learned the secret of contentment in every situation. Can you imagine that? I've learned about contentment in every situation. Are you still searching in the dark? Over in the grass, on the sidewalk, at the office or at home, for that sense of contentment. That's what every American wants to find, is that perfect sense of contentment. Are you looking for a sense of peace or serenity or a feeling of security? Paul found all of that. Maybe this morning as we look at these verses, we can learn how to do it as well. 
A few years ago, there was a very revealing study that was done with 100 graduates of Harvard. The group was very successful, as you might imagine. They almost all had made a whole lot of money. They had lived in the right places. They knew the right people. Everything was kind of moving along in that direction. Amazingly, however, a large percentage of the hundred viewed their lives as successful, but still there was a lot of futility in their life. A majority of the hundred said that they had sought and achieved success, but admitted that they had not really found a whole lot of contentment in their life. That group study was not really so odd. In a recent mental health study, only 20% of the people that were interviewed reported that they were really, really enjoying life and were content and were very happy. Only 20%. I've read that one out of eight of us desperately needs psychological help before we reach the age of 40. So look down the pew there. Kind of count it up and say, I wonder which one it was. (laughs) Did you know that every day in America, 125 people kill themselves? Every day. Did you know that every day in America, 3,117 couples get a divorce? That happens every day. There are millions and millions of people in America that really can't make it through the day without getting drunk or getting high on uh, some pills or using some type of illicit drug. What is the contentment quotient for America today? A lot of people who seemingly have it made are anxious, worried, and certainly not at peace. Contrast that with Paul. Here's a man who had been beaten. He had been imprisoned numerous times. He had been shipwrecked. He had been stoned and left for dead. He had been hungry on many occasions. He had been threatened with death many, many times. In spite of all of that, he was able to sit down and write in this epistle, I have learned the secret of contentment in every situation. Every situation. That's verse 12. Now verse 13 is one of the greatest verses in the Bible. If you said, uh, Ron, which are the best verses in the Bible? This one would be in the top five. This is one everybody in here ought to know. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Now, whenever anything happens to us, we can reach back and remember that and bring it to the forefront in whatever the situation might be. That's one of the greatest verses in the whole Bible. Paul had learned a great secret. The secret that we're talking about today really Uh, has three points in the text that we've chosen. 
Listen carefully. Perhaps all of us can find contentment for every day, every day in our life. Number one, Paul's goals were in accord with God's purposes. Paul's goals were in accord with God's purposes. Every self-help book that you'll find, there's hundreds of them in the bookstores, just hundreds of them. If you go online, there's thousands of them. All kinds of books have been written uh, for folks to get so that they can help themselves. One of the things that is common to almost every single book is they tell you, you've got to set some goals. One of the secrets to successful, intended living is to have some goals. There are many kinds of goals. There are financial goals. There are goals related to your weight. You want to lose 5 pounds or 10 pounds or 50 pounds or maybe you want to gain 10 pounds. You know, what? Uh, whatever it might be. We have housing goals. We have business goals. We have romantic goals and so on. Everyone is telling us that we've got to have goals. You know why that is? Because it's true. We really do need to have a number of goals. Well, Yogi Berra, one of my favorite philosophers, (laughs) once said this. You have to to get to be very careful. You've got to be very careful if you don't know where you're going because you might not get there. (laughs) I love that. In a roundabout way, Yogi uh, has a point. What Yogi's trying to say was that goals are really helpful to us. Our goals, however, need a reference point, a, a starting point, if you will. As Christians, we must think about our goals in the light of God's purposes for our lives. What kind of godly goals should all of us in here have this morning? Well, the happiest people in the world are convinced that their life has a purpose and that they then tailor their lives to that purpose. I'm trying to give my life to helping this church to grow. That's the main goal in my life. That's what I'm trying to do. When I get up in the morning, that's what I think about. When I work all day, that's what I'm thinking about. On Saturday, Friday, Saturday, I'm thinking in my sermon, how can I put something in this sermon that will help our church grow? Well, we want to build a church because as we do that, we reach more people for Christ. We develop more people in their faith. That's what the Great Commission is all about. Go out, lead people to Jesus, baptize them lead them in spiritual growth. I think that's a great goal, and I think it's God's purpose for me. Now let me ask you, what is the main purpose, what is the main goal in your life? Now all these self-help books say that you're supposed to have that right on the tip of your tongue, that uh, you're supposed to know what that is immediately. Does it fit in with God's purpose? For you. 
all of our foreign missionaries have a purpose in their life. They have some things that they're working on. They might be trying to build an outpost for more mission work. They might be trying to start some new classes to teach people uh, English or to teach people how to read the Bible, or they might be doing this, they might be doing that. But they've all got a goal. All Christian folks that are real strong in their faith, they have some goals. All professional people have goals. The plumber, the electrician, the mortician, the secretary, the baseball player, everybody needs to have some good, godly goals in their life. Is the goal and purpose for your life meaningful? Is it meaningful? Is it significant? It's not some little piddly thing. Is it significant? Does it have a measure of permanence to it? It's not just something that will rise and fall in a day or two. It's not just something that will kind of blow away after a week. But it has some permanence to it. It is God's purpose for your life that you would count for something that is good. Something that's good. Something that is significant. Something that is lasting. That's what our main goal in our life ought to be about. Are you giving yourself for a noble purpose? You know, I ask a lot of people uh, questions about this, and a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm just trying to get by. That's really not a great goal. We're crying out loud. We ought to be able to come up with something better than that. I'm just trying to get by. Well, you know, as we look at this, uh, we want to give ourselves to a noble purpose. You know, something significant. Paul found contentment, first of all, because his goals were in accord with God's purposes. All right, number two, Paul found contentment because his faith was in God's promises. As you read the Bible, there's a thousand, over a thousand promises in the Bible. The theologians argue about exactly how many promises there are, but there's a whole bunch of them. Paul found contentment because his faith was in God's promises. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Verse 13. Later in the chapter we read, Paul says in verse 19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. William Barclay was a great uh, theologian. Uh, he was wrong about a couple of things, but on most things, uh, he was a great theologian, great writer, wrote a lot of commentaries. I have all of them. Uh, he, he said this, and this is so apropos for the sermon today. Christian joy is independent of all things on earth. Now let that, let that sink in. Christian joy is independent of all things on earth. Because Christian joy has its source in the continual presence of Christ. Paul's faith was based on the promises of God. That was the base for all that he believed. 
Once I preached a funeral for a man that I didn't know. The uh, funeral home had called me. They said, uh, this man uh, didn't have a pastor. Uh, the family doesn't know any pastors in the area. Would you come and do the funeral? And I said, well, if I can help. And they said, uh, yeah, we'd really appreciate it if you would come. So I went. When I got to the funeral home, the family was already there. And I tried to walk around and meet all of them. I tried to ask them some questions about things. And as I walked around and as I visit with them, it was very, very obvious that this was not a, a family of great faith. Uh, they didn't know anything about the promises of God. They didn't even want to react to something like that when I said it. Uh, I walked around and uh, tried to meet every one of them in the family. And then I thought, well, I, I suppose I ought to walk by the casket. So I walked by the casket. And the man in the casket had a suit on, and he had a huge green button right here and on his suit. The man in the casket. You know what was written on the uh, green button? Irish whiskey makes me frisky. That, that's what was uh, on the button. I read the 23rd Psalm. I thought that would be better than the button. I quoted a lot of uh, God's promises. I dwell in the house of the Lord forever and so on. It struck no chords with any of them. The people in the family were just kind of looking around as if uh, to say, when is this going to be over? And I never do long funerals. So, I mean, they started doing that three minutes in. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I looked at them. There was, uh, I don't think any of them were listening to any of it. Uh, I saw two in the family that were laughing, talking to each other uh, through the whole funeral. Really, many of God's promises were, were really not for that family. They were not for that group. And neither was the contentment that only God can bring. If you want God's contentment, you must put your faith in God's promises. That's the way it works. Now, there are a lot of places you can put your faith. You know that. You can put your faith in banks or in your health or in your education or your government or your own ingenuity. There are a lot of places to put your faith. But all of these have, obviously, limitations. Some banks fail. You know that. Some governments fall. Ours hadn't fallen, thank the Lord. Health uh, declines. You know that. And our education begins to slip away from us a little bit. As the years go by, we forget a lot of stuff. Even our own ingenuity is inadequate in many of the crises of life. Do you know the story of Florence Nightingale? It's an interesting story. For three years, she was the most courageous woman, some would say, in American history. She was Courageous. She was on the front line. When the bombs were going off and the bullets were whizzing by, she was right out there. She was going from soldier to soldier trying to help. She would try and drag some back. I mean, she was 
right in the middle of it. It's amazing that she didn't get killed. In the days before nursing was a highly valued profession, she gave herself unselfishly, serving the soldiers on the battlefields during the Crimean War. Thousands of young women have been inspired by the example of Florence Nightingale. Did you know that Florence Nightingale spent the rest of her life, over 50 years, in a bed as a hopeless invalid? Did you know that? They couldn't find anything wrong with her physically. It was all psychosomatic. She was an invalid for over 50 years because of her emotions. She could help others, but she could not help herself. Aren't there certain things in our lives that trouble us for a long time that we can't seem to fix? We've tried and tried and tried to to fix it, but it just seems like we can't fix it. It just keeps badgering us. It keeps hounding us. We can't get rid of it. Well, we need a power greater than ourselves to help us. We need a friend who can reach into our troubled heart and help us. Some counselors do that. Some next-door neighbors do that. Some ministers do that. Some Sunday school teachers do that. We all need that because in our lives things come up that are not a lot of fun and we have to deal with it. Sometimes we we don't deal with it very well. We need someone to help us with our flaws, our hurts, and our tears. Some things are beyond our capacity to repair. Thirdly, this morning, Paul's basic source of fellowship was with God's people. God's people. There are no better people on this earth than God's people. The church building is not just a place to meet with God. It's it's the best place to meet with God's people. Now, we worked real hard for a long time now to build this new building. And one of the things that's going to happen is we're going to have a class in every room two weeks from today. And, and those classes are set up so that everybody in those classes would get to know each other. That they would learn about each other's family, their mates, their children, their grandchildren, about what they did in their life, about what they want to accomplish in their life. You can share prayer requests, get to know each other real well. You can have somebody that you could call in case you needed somebody to help with something. You know, worship, of course, is a great time. We gather together in, in the large room. But, but, you know, you really don't get to know a lot of people in the worship service. It's not designed for that. Bible study, a time in the small group setting, is designed for that. That's what it's for. And we all need that. So let me encourage you again to get into a small group. It's very fashionable today to talk about support groups. The Bible study class, I believe, is the best support group 
that you could possibly be in. If you looked all over Sun City Center and the surrounding area, you would find all kinds of self-help groups, support groups, if you will. I mean, there's all kinds. You know what people really need is they need the Savior. They need the foundational stone that everything else is built upon. They need to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, if they don't know that, then these self-help groups really are not going to do all that you expect them to do. That's the foundational stone. Many people today are looking to the wrong people for their support. Some hope to find self-worth in a group of greedy people. They want to get with folks that have the same kind of desires they do. And, and of course, there are some groups where you know, it's a bunch of greedy people. And they get together and talk about how they can maximize uh, whatever they have and how they can keep from giving anybody anything other than themselves. Some find applause when they align themselves with crude people. So they have a crude people group. Uh, You know, they don't call it that, but uh, that's really what it is. Uh, when somebody says something terrible about somebody else, they, they all clap. And if somebody says something funny and demeaning about somebody else, you know, they all laugh and clap. It's a be crude group. And uh, there are a number of those. No wonder so many people are in a state of, of discontent. Paul was content in spite of his outward circumstances. Now, I I told you all those horrible things that he went through. Remember, number one, his goals were in accordance with God's purposes. That's number one. Number two, his faith was in God's promises. And number three, his support group was God's people. Paul found complete contentment. We likewise can find contentment Are you willing today to trust that we can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth us? If we will do that, if we'll do these three things, then we will learn in whatever situation that we're in to be content. Well, today, I don't know, I never know. But there might be some folks that have been thinking, talking maybe with someone about coming and joining the family of God here at Trinity. And we want you to know, of course, that like every Sunday, the door's open. We want you to come. We want you to be a part. We want you to join in one of these small groups in Bible study because that's a place where you can make really deep friends and friends that would care and pray for you. That's very, very important for all of us. Today, perhaps there are some folks that have never trusted, believed in Christ in their whole life. They've thought about it, talked to people about it, but they've never done it. You know, you really have to take a step. Jesus would preach or he would teach, and then he would say, those of you that would come and follow me, step out. And they did. By the thousands. They came and they became followers of his. 
Today, if you're in the house and you'd like to be one of the family of God, we'd love to have you do that. I'll be standing down here at the front. If you'll just slip out, slip forward. Take a stand for Christ, who certainly stood for you. Let's stand together as we sing. Thank you.